0: Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. A gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Mom or pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time. Welcome. Welcome welcome to the Dead Zone. Welcome back, all you late-night weirdos. That's Danny over there. I'm Whitney, and this is the Dead Zone Screening Room.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: How are you? Well, I'm pretty
1: darn good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm just saying I'm pretty excited um, about this month. September's always one of my favorite months because I feel like it's just the beginning of the best
0: time of the year. Plus, it's all about us because it's our birthday months. Exactly. We get to be selfish. <laughs> exactly. And who doesn't want to celebrate that? Exactly. we. It,
1: who doesn't want a whole month dedicated to them being all about themselves and saying, look, I don't care what you say.
0: It's all about me, baby. It is the American way. <laughs> it's what we do around here. Well, it's the reason why we're doing the movie we're doing today. Uh, But before we get to that, just a recap, a few months ago, Danny and I inherited a traveling drive-in theater and were told to watch horror movies of our choosing to figure out what we want to add to the theater's vault and what to leave behind in the dead zone. The only other rule is to never be late opening the drive-in for those who are able to find us because, yeah, the theater moves around, it's never in the same place twice, and it's a mystery as to where it'll show up next. But if you use your knowledge of horror and follow the clues in each episode, you might be able to figure out where the drive-in will show up next. And this week, because Danny and I share a birthday month, we would like to officially welcome you to our bloody birthday bash, where for the next two weeks, we'll be celebrating by gifting each other one of our favorite horror movies – ...that the other one has never seen. And this first week was Mine all Mine. So we will be starting out with John Carpenter's campy classic, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, Some people might try and say this isn't a horror film. Uh, To them I say, fuck you, it's my birthday and you may go eat your cake in the hall with that one weird kid that eats his boogers and talks way too much (laughs) about that one time he accidentally saw his sister's boobs... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's why I'm excited
1: about this month, because well, A, I feel like I want to make this like an annual thing, because obviously we have birthdays annually. That's crazy how that works out. <laughs> I would like to unsubscribe from my birthday <laughs> membership if I could. <laughs> Too late. Lifetime supply of birthdays. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but I think it's fun because we kind of get to use this as an excuse to kind of show titles like this that may not technically fit into the category of horror or it's just not one that we have the best ability to like fit into a series or you know just something like that the one-offs that's like you know something that you always ask me all the time have you seen this have you seen this or one that I'm constantly talking about and you've never seen and it just gives us an opportunity to for no rhyme or reason besides it's my birthday and I freaking said so we have a reason yeah
0: Exactly. It, it, this movie has one of my favorite characters of all times. He's a, an idiot, uh, but somehow things always work out for him. Yeah. Therefore, I see very much of myself in him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, this movie isn't even listed as a horror film. Uh, But number one, it's John Carpenter. So, I mean, it kind of gets a pass there just (laughs) by default. Uh, And number two, there are horror elements to it. Yeah. They last maybe two seconds at a time. (laughs) Yeah. And there is not a damn thing scary about this movie. It's just fun as hell. Mm -hmm. It's one of those campy 80s classics and you just turn your brain off and have a good time.
1: Yeah, it's one that I just don't know would have even been on my radar had you not put it on there and had we not watched it. And it was, like you said, it was so fun. It was a hell of a ride the whole time through. And it's one of those that, like, and not in a bad way, but pretty much keeps you on your toes in the whole the whole time through in the way of, like, it's just kind of constantly going. There's not a whole lot of downtime in this movie. Correct. Uh, but I think that's, I think, it, like you said, it's fun. It makes you be there in the moment living there watching that movie and then you, you know when it's over it's over and that's it you've had fun watching the movie and what more can you ask for from a movie like this
0: yeah, you know, after finishing up last month's series uh of our A24 movies where it uh those are some heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of brain thinking. Yeah. And um I I felt this was a really good uh kind of brain scrubber. Yeah. Just let's relax that uh giant muscle in our heads and uh just have a good time and that's what this is.
1: Yeah which I think we needed. That's something we kind of talked about when we announced earlier this week that um, we were taking off the first and last week of September, just to kind of give ourselves a break. um, I said in the post, mentioned that um, I've been going through a flare. Also, work is just a lot right now, and um, we're doing a lot of prep work for October and what series we have coming then, so Yeah, I think this was just the perfect movie to land on this week to, like you said, just kind of have a brain turn off, enjoy it, and now we get to sit here, jump into it, and talk about the ridiculousness that this movie holds. And of course, before we do talk about that ridiculousness, now is the time to give you guys a warning about... All the spoilers that we're about to get into. If you want to watch the movie first, now's the time to do it. Um, we found that you could rent it on Prime, YouTube, Apple TV. I did see that it was on Hulu, but you had to have the stars subscription. Um, so that's where we were able to find it. We actually own it, so that's how we watched it. But those are your options as far as streaming it. But if you don't feel like watching it, that is fine too. This movie may not be your jam. That's okay. We're gonna talk about it, like I said. We're gonna spoil everything and it's it's going to be fun no matter what. I just know it. This movie's just... It's
0: so fun. It is fun. And and there is a plot, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. We'll, we'll go through it and explain it. Uh, but, like I said, this is just goofy fun. Yes. And I'm excited to talk about it. Well, let's do it. All right. Well, let's get to the wiki. Also, for some reason... The wiki on this one turned out incredibly long, so sit back and relax. If you need to go get coffee, now's the time to do it. (laughs) So Big Trouble in Little China, also known as John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China, is a 1986 American fantasy martial arts action comedy thriller horror film, Yes, I I added that last part, uh, directed by John Carpenter and stars Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall, and Dennis Dunn. And this movie is the perfect example of how the industry loves to screw with creators. So the original screenplay was written by first-time screenwriters Gary Goldman and David Weinstein. Uh, Goldman had been inspired by a new wave of martial arts films shot against this background of Eastern mysticism. Uh, What they came up with was a Western set in the 1880s. With Jack Burton as a cowboy who rides into town. Can you imagine this as a western? No, but also now I kind of want to see it as a
1: western. It's like the only rare western that I want to see, but (laughs) it sounds
0: amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd watch Jack Burton go anywhere, anytime. (laughs) Uh, Well, They then submitted that script to Taft Entertainment Pictures. The studio bought their script and had Goldman and Weinstein do at least one rewrite, uh, but they still weren't happy with the results. Then, once 20th Century Fox began to develop the project, Goldman was approached for another rewrite, but got pissed off and refused when he learned the studio wanted to update the story to a more contemporary setting. The studio then fired the original writers from their own project and brought in screenwriter W.D. Richter, a veteran script doctor and also director of The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai, uh, to extensively rewrite the script. Richter felt that the Wild West and fantasy elements didn't work together, stating, quote, What it needed wasn't a rewrite, but a complete overhaul. It was a dreadful screenplay, end wow. quote. Almost everything in the original script was discarded except for the low-pan story. Richter actually cited Rosemary's Baby as his template for this new script, theorizing that movie had supernatural elements and was set in a contemporary setting, and finished his own draft in 10 weeks. During this time, Goldman actually contacted Richter and suggested he shouldn't work on the project, and Richter finally told him, I'm sorry the studio doesn't want to go forward with you guys, but my turning it down isn't going to get you your job back. They're just going to end up hiring someone else. When all was said and done, Fox wanted to completely deny Goldman and Weinstein a writing credit, since what they had written isn't what we end up seeing in the film. But in March of 1986, the Writers Guild of America West determined that the written-by credit would go to Goldman and Weinstein based on the WGA screenwriting credit system, which protects original writers. This upset director John Carpenter, who has stated Goldman and Weinstein's script was quote-unquote outrageously unreadable, and believe Richter should have gotten full credit, who in the end had to settle for an adaptation by credit for his work on the script. Carpenter did make his own addition to Richter's rewrites, which included strengthening the Gracie Law role and eliminating some material deemed offensive to Chinese-Americans. Carpenter had also said that he was very drawn to the dialogue in the film, which reminded him of the rapid-fire delivery in such Howard Hawks classics as Bringing Up Baby and His Girl Friday. As for the casting and... I love this fact here. According to Wikipedia, the studio offered Kurt Russell the part because they felt he was an up-and-coming star. (laughs) Up-and-coming. Despite the fact at this point in his career he had already been working steadily for the past 24 years, starred in multiple successful television shows, plus had already starred in feature films Escape from New York and The Thing. (laughs) Uh but no no, any minute now his career is really going to take off. They're like, I don't know, there's something about you, dude. We <laughs> we think we're onto something. We like the cut of your jib, son. <laughs> <laughs> Russell said of playing Jack Burton that he liked the notion of being, quote, a hero who has so many faults. He falls on his ass as much as he comes through. At heart, he thinks he's Indiana Jones, but the circumstances are always too much for him, End quote. For the second half of his crime-fighting duo, John Carpenter had seen actor Dennis Dunn in Year of the Dragon and offered him the role of Wang Chi only a few days before principal photography began. The martial arts sequences came pretty easily for Dunn, who had some training as a kid and had done Chinese opera as an adult. He was particularly drawn to the portrayal of Asian characters in the movie, stating, quote, I'm seeing Chinese actors getting to do stuff that American movies usually don't let them do. I've never seen this type of role for an Asian in an American film, end quote. Jackie Chan was at one point considered for the role of Wang Chi, but decided after the box office disasters of The Big Brawl and The Protector that he should put more time and effort into his career in Hong Kong's film industry and went on to film Police Story instead, uh, which basically is the film responsible for making him a mega superstar, so good choice, Jackie. (laughs) Although Legend of Drunken Master is my personal favorite. (laughs) Well, Big Trouble went into production in October of 1985, and although the early exterior establishing scenes were filmed on location in Chinatown, Most of the film was shot on sets built in the Fox Lot in L.A. Production designer John Lloyd designed the elaborate underground sets and recreated Chinatown, complete with three-story buildings, roads, streetlights, and even sewers. This was necessary for the staging of complicated special effects and kung fu fight sequences that would have been too difficult to do on location. For the film's many fight scenes, Carpenter worked with martial arts choreographer James Liu, who planned out every move in advance. Carpenter said of filming these complicated shots, quote, I used every cheap gag, trampolines, wires, reverse movements, and upside-down sets. It was much like photographing a dance, end quote. Carpenter envisioned this film as an inverse of traditional scenarios in action films where a Caucasian protagonist is held by a minority sidekick. In Big Trouble in Little China, Jack Burton, despite his bravado, is consistently portrayed as a bumbling idiot. In fact, in one fight sequence, he knocks himself unconscious before the fight even begins. But Wang Chi, on the other hand, is consistently portrayed as highly skilled and competent. Carpenter has said this film is really about a sidekick, Jack Burton, who thinks he's a leading man. As usual, the studio didn't get the joke and insisted Carpenter dumb it down for the audience, resulting in the prologue scene between Egg Shin and the lawyer at the beginning, in an effort to let the audience know, quote, Look, we know this guy's going to seem like a bumbling buffoon, but it's okay to root for him. He really is a hero, end quote. Opening on July 2nd, 1986, Big Trouble in Little China was a total and complete box office flop, only bringing in a whopping $11 million in North America, far below its estimated budget of $20 million. Of course, it didn't help that it was released around the same time as James Cameron's Aliens. Pair that with the piss-poor job the studio did at marketing this film, and basically no one even remembers this was ever in theaters. Of course, since its release, it has enjoyed a resurgence on cable and home video, building up quite a cult following and a good deal of retroactive positive press. In fact, Empire Magazine has even placed it as number 430 on their list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. On review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes, the film currently holds a 75% positive rating with the consensus reading, quote, Brimming with energy and packed with humor, Big Trouble in Little China distills Kung Fu B-movies as affectionately as it subverts them, end quote. Writer Harlan Ellison, widely known in Hollywood for his brutally honest critiques, praised the film, saying that it had, quote, Some of the funniest lines spoken by any actor this year to produce a cheerfully blathering live-action cartoon that will give you release from the real pressures of your basically dreary lives, end quote. Even Time Magazine's Richard Corliss praised the film, stating, quote, Little China offers dollops of entertainment, but it's so stocked with canny references to other pictures that it suggests a master's thesis that moves, end quote. But of course not everyone was as enamored with the Jack Burton charm. In his review for the Chicago Sun-Times, Roger Ebert wrote, quote, special effects don't mean much unless we care about the characters who are surrounded by them, end quote. Paula Tenacino in the Washington Post also criticized the film for being, quote, much better at introducing a character than they are at developing one, end quote. And David Anson for Newsweek wrote, quote, though it is action-packed, spectacularly edited, and often quite funny, one can't help feeling that Carpenter is squeezing the last drops out of a fatigue genre, end quote. In June of 2015, it was reported that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was developing a remake to star as Jack Burton himself and produce with his Seven Bucks Production film studio. But when the world openly wept at the idea of The Rock thinking he could ever replace Kurt Russell and embody the character of Jack Burton, in August of 2018, Seven Bucks Productions president Hiram Garcia clarified That the film will be a sequel of the 1986 cult classic, and that they had absolutely no intention of replacing Kurt Russell by recasting Johnson as Jack Burton, even though that's exactly what they said they were going to do. Now, if you go on IMDb, in the past six years uh, that this has been listed as in-production, it hasn't gotten any farther than listing Dwayne Johnson as the only cast member. So I wouldn't be looking for this one to hit theaters anytime soon. (laughs) That one's just moving right along. Oh, yeah. I think uh, it's hopefully just kind of stopped in its tracks. (laughs) Uh, Well, in February of 2014, Boom Studios announced a new Big Trouble in Little China comic book series. The original series began in June of 2014 and was written by Eric Powell and Mr. John Carpenter himself with amazing artwork by Brian Chirilla. They've done several short series since then, and I can tell you from experience, if you love the campy, over-the-top humor of Big Trouble and Jack Burton, the comics do not disappoint. Yeah, you really did enjoy them. They're, They're very well done. Well, if everyone is still awake, it is time for your synopsis. Class, wake up.
1: (laughs) It's time to move to the synopsis. I think that was very interesting. And one thing that I thought um, even more so was what you were talking about, the filming and everything that went into this. I think I just didn't realize, you know, watching this, the time when it was made, how much... I guess finagling you would have to do with different effects and different scenes and stuff like that to get it to look the way that it did, you know, it, as practically as possible. So yeah, I thought that was yeah. interesting.
0: All the effects, all the effects that are going on here are are done practically, and and they're incredible. They are really, really well done. We'll be talking quite a bit ab- about the effects. You know, the problem is, like I said earlier, I mentioned that all of this stuff. It's, it's on screen for like two seconds. You're like, wait, what is that? That was cool. <laughs> it's like I, I, this movie suffered from a lot of ideas, I think. And yeah. we just kept feeling like we had to keep shoving them in. Yeah. And uh, it would have gone a a lot longer way, I think, to develop <laughs> some more of these individual ideas instead of putting a bunch of them in there. But it's it still will always be one of my favorites i I just i will always love this movie yeah i think (laughs) i think the synopsis
1: itself kind of uh just gives you a little peek into the madness of this it just sounds bananas so it says kurt russell plays hard-boiled truck driver jack burton who gets caught in the bizarre conflict within and underneath san francisco's chinatown An ancient Chinese prince and Chinatown crime lord has kidnapped a beautiful green-eyed woman who is the fiancé to Jack's best friend. Jack must help his friend rescue the girl before the evil Lopan uses her to break the ancient curse that keeps him a fleshless and immortal spirit. So, you know, just like a low-key movie. (laughs) Just a chill.
0: It it gets pretty wackadoo. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Man, there is so much going on. And, you know, I said that suffered from having this too much gene <laughs>
1: which I, I personally have uh which I think is why you appreciate it like I, I think it did <laughs> it in like all the right ways exactly to make it, it the way it is
0: in this particular movie it works because it's supposed to be you know kind of those campy over the top action movies yeah and so every time they'd add something new in, you're like well what is this guy <laughs> Wait, wait wait, wait, where'd you come from? <laughs> oh, wait, we're never gonna see them again? Okay, fine. That's okay. Here we go. Uh well I'm excited to talk about it. It's it's gonna be a kooky, crazy ride. Uh this is one of those like I said, it is not a horror. It's not even listed as a horror. However, it does have horror elements in the fact that there's a teeny tiny little bit of gore as in skeleton corpses yeah uh and that's about as bad as it gets there's a couple of little jump scares
1: yeah I thought there was totally some fun horror elements to it nothing nothing the aspect that I feel like anybody's gonna lose sleep over but I do I do think there's some things that I don't know I mean there's like blood and guts and stuff in some parts that I thought was pretty kick-ass so I don't know
0: yeah. Well, yeah. There's nothing scary about this movie. It It's totally, you know, if if you're on the fence that wise. Yeah. Uh, you know, is it too scary to watch? Absolutely not. No. It's, it's just a silly little goofy movie. I think it's only rated PG-13. Yeah. 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 So it's a fun one.
1: You just got to go in it with, with no expectations, just knowing that it's going to be bananas.
0: <laughs> it's going to be bananas and you're going to giggle. And just have a good time.
1: I didn't expect to laugh as much as I did. Seriously.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, here we go. We start out with Egg Shin, a tour bus driver from San Francisco's Chinatown. He's talking with a lawyer he's thinking of hiring because whatever we're about to see happen in this movie has left Egg Shin in a bit of hot water with the city and before the lawyer agrees to take the job, he needs to know if Egg is covering for some dude named Jack Burton. But Egg just tells him to leave Jack out of this. They owe him a great debt of gratitude, for he showed great courage. So so here we are. We have our scene that the studio insisted be put in here to ensure everyone, look, this guy's gonna look like an idiot, but we promise he's the hero. <laughs> Just stick with us. Trust the process. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand how they don't understand that that's the whole, that's the joke of it. Yeah. It's infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> well, Egg Shen here is played by the incredible Victor Wong. I absolutely adore him. Uh, his other creepy credits, he was also in John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, and he was in the original Tremors. Oh, which, yeah. Uh, another great 80s brilliant movie
1: yeah that's another one that i hadn't seen until you showed me and it was it was amazing yeah that's definitely
0: gonna have to show up in the dead zone at some point oh yes well the lawyer then asks egg if he really believes in all this magic stuff and monsters and ghosts to which egg answers by holding his hands about a foot apart as crackling charges of electricity arch between them he says see that was nothing But that's always how it starts. Very small. We then switch to an exterior shot of a road traversing some rolling hills. And for the first time, we are introduced to Jack Burton and his beloved truck, the Porkchop Express. (laughs) We also get our title card for Big Trouble in Little China, complete with Chinese characters um, that don't uh, really translate that well. Uh, it's, it's supposed to say Big Trouble in Little China, but apparently if you translate it literally, it says evil spirits make a big scene in little spiritual state.
1: Well, that checks out. (laughs) Honestly,
0: at the core of it. (laughs) I mean, it's close. (laughs) I like that they make a big scene. Get out of here. You're just embarrassing all of us. (laughs)
1: You're causing a scene now. Come on.
0: Well, Jack is a long-haul truck driver making his way back to San Francisco. He loves to hear himself talk, much like myself, and he (laughs) gives a bunch of nonsense advice, much like myself, over the CB radio to whoever will listen. I have a podcast. He says things like, it's like I told my last wife, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. What does that even mean? I don't know. Who cares? It's wonderful. (laughs) It's sage advice that I'm sure we're just too unenlightened to understand. Yeah. Uh, He goes on to say... When some wild-eyed, eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against the barroom wall, looks you crooked in the eye, and he asks if you paid your dues. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check's in the mail. There you go. So this is Kurt Russell... (laughs) um (laughs) uh he said that he based this character off of john wayne and as soon as i heard that i said that is exactly i can see that sounds like yeah i can
1: definitely see that
0: uh well kurt doesn't have uh too many other creepy credits of course he's in another one of my favorite horror films of all time the thing never heard of it uh Uh, he was in a Grindhouse, one of the Grindhouse movies, mm-hmm. Death Proof. Okay, and he was in some movie called Bone Tomahawk, which appears to be <laughs> oh another western, but it's it says it's a horror film, but I don't know much about that. That, that one sounds intense.
1: Bone Tomahawk. <laughs>
0: Bone Tomahawk. Well, this was Kurt's fourth out of five movies that he would end up uh, doing with John Carpenter, uh, which also included the TV movie Elvis. Uh, then they did Escape from New York, The Thing, and then they would go on after this movie to do Escape from L.A. Gotcha. So they enjoyed working together. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jack pulls into Chinatown, and Kurt Russell really had to learn how to drive this truck for this movie. Uh, He didn't have to drive it far, but the couple of times he did have to drive it, they were, like, in really tight situations, like they were both in these alleyway situations. And... Uh, apparently John Carpenter was terrified he was gonna <laughs> wreck the sets uh, and there was some very stress inducing moments is having Kurt drive these trucks.
1: I can imagine I didn't even think about the fact that you would have to learn that type of skill for that especially because there's too many scenes I feel like that he would not want to use you know a body double or anything like that.
0: Yeah and uh, you never think about I mean, if you know how to drive a car, you think, well, I should be able to drive a big rig. But it's very confusing. There's like double shifting. There's extra levers you pull. I don't. It's very intimidating. Oh,
1: yeah. I I could never. I can barely just drive my car. (laughs) I don't
0: like to. So. Well, next we see Jack and his best friend, Wang Chi, doing a little gambling and drinking. Uh, Wang Chi is played by Dennis Dunn. Uh, along with Victor Wong, who plays Egg, Dennis, too, was in John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, and that's his only other creepy credit. Well, by the next morning, Jack has come out the big winner, but Wang needs that money, so he bets Jack nothing or double. Nothing or double. He says it backwards twice, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> who says nothing or double? It's I have always said double or nothing. Yeah, I don't
1: think I've... I don't, I don't. I think it would take too long for my brain to process what they were asking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, nothing or double. What? What's a... Who? Well, who gets what? <laughs> I don't want the nothing. So. Does this come out in my favor at all? <laughs> Do I get something? Uh, well, they're doing a double or nothing or nothing or double. And he bets him that he can cut a bottle in half with a machete, a glass bottle.
1: It's my go-to party trick as well. (laughs) I mean,
0: this is what I practice in my spare time. Yeah. I I have confidence I can do it. I I don't know about Wang's skills. (laughs) Uh, Well, Jack tries to talk him out of it saying, there's no way, you're just throwing your money away, but Wang insists. So Jack says, sure, if you want to throw your money away, that's fine. So Wang sets up the shot, brings down the machete, and sends the bottle flying Fully intact and uncut, right at Jack's face, Jack gets a hand up just in time, catching the bottle before near disaster. Jack tells Wang it's all in the reflexes. Wang is shocked. Apparently this trick always seems to work at home. Jack tells him, great, have me over for dinner some year and prove it. In the meantime, pay up. Wang tells him he doesn't have that kind of money on him. He has to go to the airport real quick to pick someone up. So why don't they meet at his restaurant in a few hours? But Jack's not letting him out of his sight until he gets his money. So off to the airport, they both go. Uh, In Jack's giant truck. (laughs) Even though Wang had a much smaller truck there. Yeah. Why do they have to to take the large, difficult-to-maneuver vehicle? You know. Make a scene. They own the road. (laughs) This is their road. It is the Port Trap Express. (laughs) While on the way, Jack asks who they're picking up and Wang explains that he's picking up his fiance from China, Miao Yin. You can't miss her because she has green eyes, which is apparently very rare. While at the airport waiting on Miao Yin, Jack spots Gracie Law, a lawyer from Chinatown, who is there waiting to pick someone up as well. Uh, And Gracie Law is played by Kim Cattrall. Most people are going to remember her from Sex in the City. Uh, She does have a few creepy credits. She was in a movie called Split Second and another one called Creature, uh, plus some even crappier uh, TV movies. Uh, She hasn't done some very good horror films. (laughs) She did look like a baby, though. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes, very young. Yes. Well, Wayne tells Jack she's trouble, but that doesn't stop him from going over to do a little flirting. Jack asks her if he can ask a serious question, to which Gracie answers, absolutely not. (laughs) Uh, They continue to try and share some clever banter, but some very rude dudes in crazy 80s sunglasses bump into them. What was the deal with sunglasses in the 80s? They it doesn't seem like we could see out of any of them. Like they, they were just there to make a statement. Most of the time you know, they had those ones that look like visors yeah. across them, the lines yeah. going across, and some of them that had slits in them and it just was like I don't these were not to be worn <laughs> for vision. <laughs> I can't imagine we could see anything.
1: Do many people in that from that time era now have vision problems? I mean I wear glasses. <laughs> Well, there you have it. So it's I can confirm.
0: <laughs> Sunglasses were terrible. Well, Jack tries to tell them off, but Gracie stops him, explaining that they're from a Chinatown street gang called the Lords of Death, and they're very dangerous. Well, I mean, with a name like Lords of Death, I yeah. wouldn't imagine they're there to sell Girl Scout cookies. That's not a friendly moniker at all. <laughs> it really is not opening and welcoming. <laughs> well, we then get a scene that always cracks me up uh, jack thinking he's actually hitting it off with gracie turns to look over at wang who gives jack the y- you think it's going well look to jack <laughs> who then gives wang a very yeah i'm a slick ass motherfucker look uh, but unbeknownst to jack gracie walks off so when jack turns back around to her it's now an old woman and jack's all like Oh, damn, that's not a pretty lady that was here a second ago. <laughs> I just like the sweet little lady's face that just kind of smiles at him like, hello. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> How are you? I'm here to pick up my niece. <laughs> well, next we see the girl Gracie is waiting on. Her name is Tara and she arrives and one of the gang members moves in like they're going to grab her. This ruffles Jack's feathers, and he feels like he needs to confront the guy. But this doesn't work out in Jack's favor, and he just ends up on his ass, and the gang members end up kidnapping Miao Yin instead. Jack and Wang give chase all the way out to the parking garage, but the gang, with Miao Yin now shoved in the back of their car, attempt to run Jack and Wang over. So now Jack and Wang vow to track the gang down. Next, we meet up again with Egg Shen, and he is conducting one of his tours through Chinatown. I read somewhere that this bus is actually still in operation and now gives tours at Yellowstone National Park.
1: Oh, all right. Isn't that just strange? Yeah, it's very (laughs) oddly specific.
0: I know it's kind of like whoa that. I mean, it seems so specific, it has to be real, but yet it seems so bizarre. Yeah. It can't be real. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way this thing is still working. I mean, it's the little bus that (laughs) cut. Has anyone been to Yellowstone recently? Can they confirm that the uh, Egg Sheen's tour bus is (laughs) taking people around Yellowstone? I don't know.
1: Did you get its autograph if you (laughs) did confirm it?
0: I mean, if it's there, we're going. I want (laughs) to ride the damn bus. (laughs) Well, next we see Egg driving one way down a street. And now Jack and Wang in the Pork Chop Express driving the opposite way down the same street. And there's not enough room for the both of them, so they have to swerve to avoid hitting one another. Wang then screams at Jack to take a right down the alley if they want to find the Lords of Death. And for the first and only time that I can recall in a film, I see someone pull a motherfucking Tokyo Drift in a semi-truck. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty impressive, actually. It is. yes. We now switch to our Chinatown set that was built specifically for this movie. Jack keeps trying to maneuver through the narrow streets, but is stopped by a funeral for the fighting Tong, which Wang assures us are the good guys. But they have enemies, mainly the Wing Kong, who have just so happened to crash this here morning party. And they pull out some massive firepower and start shooting up everything, including the casket the fighting tong were carrying. Eventually, the gunfire stops, which just means it's time for the hand-to-hand combat portion of our fighting floor show. And Jack and Wang are forced to just hang tight in the Porkchop Express.
1: You know, when you're in the middle of traffic and (laughs) a huge... (laughs) Fight occurs right in front of you. And you just got to hang out and kind of let it occur. I mean, shit
0: got crazy real fast. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's just this movie. I, I was thinking that whenever I was watching it, we kind of, you know, we start out at this, uh, you know, jumping into being introduced to our characters. And then we're at this airport scene. And then, yeah, it's like on and going. This whole movie is just like, all right, we're here. Here's Jack Burton. And he's here to fuck shit up and also kick some ass at the same time. So... You're on and for the ride.
0: If you're not buckled up, that's on you, homie. <laughs> you better grab onto what you can, because here we go. <laughs> well, we now get just a lovely masterclass on martial arts choreography for this time period. Almost everyone you see involved in this fight scene were actual stuntmen and actors who had previously worked on martial arts movies in Hong Kong. We also get to learn a pretty freaking cool hand gesture that means, I don't know what the fuck it means, it's it's the the thing where the good guys do with their hands to each other uh, that looks like the number one with your thumb out to the side, and then mm. you just push it forward. Remember they were all going, eh, <laughs> here's to you, it's like they're, yeah man, cool, <laughs> I Means like, yay, we're on the same team. We're cool because we do this hand thing. Teaming
1: up, just just two teams together with yeah. our hand stuff. But hey, doing hand stuff, two guys doing hand stuff, right? That's yeah. kind and of what And you
0: better believe my 16 year old self and all my friends <laughs> knew how to do it. We were cool too, is what I always told myself. <laughs> we are cool too, guys. Never
1: forget. We're really making this thing work for us. And that's the end of today's meeting. So I'll see you guys next week. And remember, we are cool. Don't let your friends, family, or enemies tell you otherwise.
0: (laughs) Next week, we'll be talking about styling our hair like the Beastmaster. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if things weren't weird enough already for you, uh, it's about to get freakier because in the middle of all this fighting... Some green explosions start happening, and these three dudes in giant straw hats come onto the scene. We don't know who the hell they are, but both gangs that are fighting are scared of them, and they stop fighting. Uh, So they must be some badass motherfuckers.
1: Yeah, it's enough for us to be like, whoa, these guys aren't to be messed
0: with, I don't think. Well, eventually we learn that these are the three storms, thunder, rain, and lightning, and they are the bodyguards of one David Lopan, a supernatural crime boss and our villain for this film. So if you are an old-school gamer and think that our three Storm dudes look a little familiar, they were actually partly the inspiration for the popular character of Thunder God Raiden from Mortal Kombat, while the character of David Lopan, who we'll meet a little later, was the inspiration for the evil sorcerer Shang Tsung.
1: Well, there you go. There you go. Fun facts for all. And if you don't play video games, you might not know. And
0: that's okay. <laughs> I tell myself. Did you play Mortal Kombat? Or w- th- would your brother have played Mortal Kombat? Or that would would that have all been before your time?
1: I think that I played, but I, like never paid attention you know it was one of those things where i was like i don't care pick me a character and then i would just like go for it oh yeah
0: yeah so you, it was never like, get, like into it or anything.
1: oh no i was never like committed or anything to it just kind of there for a little bit then i'd be like all right this is
0: fun bye
1: yeah i just remember it as being the game that you could rip someone's spine out
0: yeah and who doesn't love that <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> and if that isn't wholesome i don't know what is <laughs>
0: So a little background on our three storms. Mr. Thunder is played by Carter Wong, who actually trained the Hong Kong Police Department in martial arts. Mr. Rain is played by actor Peter Kwong. His only other creepy credit is a 2014 horror comedy called Cooties, and it stars Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson from The Office. I think that sounds great. I don't know why you haven't seen that. I'm, this is what, I'm, I am in shock that I do not already know that this movie exists. It
1: sounds amazing.
0: Sounds like everything I need in my life. I feel there's a hole in my soul that we haven't seen it yet. (laughs) Well, of course, our third Storm is Mr. Lightning, and he is played by actor and model James Pax. And I remember my two best friends in high school at the time, Tara and Jamie, both had a huge crush on him in this movie. Every time he got a close-up, oh my god, he's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I just wanted to be Jack Burton. Yeah, you were just living vicariously through him. I really was. (laughs) Well, our rival gangs attempt to shoot the three Storms, but their puny bullets have no effect, and the Storms just throw knives and kill them. The Storms then pull out their really fancy weapons, Mr. Thunder has knives with extra half-moon knives attached, Mr. Rain has two giant back scratchers, and Mr. Lightning has two giant fidget spinners. These are very effective ninja-type swirly things. Yes. Those are the technical terms.
1: All very professional. <laughs> Please don't uh, research any of the information we've just given you.
0: Trust I've us I've already on looked this. everything up, and uh, it is accurate and correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack and Wang could have handled the moon knives, but giant back scratchers and fidget spinners are just too much and they decide to drive the hell out of there. But they're gonna have to go through the three storms to do it, so Jack heads right for them, but they all basically just kind of scoot out of the way. It's just very anticlimactic. It's like zip. Zip <laughs> just move out of the way, it's like, oh okay, uh, well, except for Mr. Rain, who does fly up into the air, that was uh kind of kooky, yeah, uh, but then some old dude shows up in front of the truck, and Jack flattens him like a pancake before slamming on the brakes and bringing the truck to a stop. Wang tells Jack he thinks that was low pan, and when Jack gets out to see if he's a smush pile of goo under his tires. We see Lopan is very much alive and does a mean impression of a flashlight shooting beams of light out of his eyes and mouth at Jack. Wang tells Jack not to look. Jack says he already did. Wang says, well, don't. Jack says, I won't. They manage to run off and get away, and Wang splashes some dirty street water into Jack's face, which somehow helps with the effects of Lopan's face lights. But there's no telling what disgusting diseases <laughs> Jack now has in his eye holes from the rancid street water. Why would you put that on someone's face? I don't know. I think
1: that's honestly, that's asking for some bad karma.
0: <laughs> I, was, I would much rather you spit on my face than splash street water.
1: Actually, I don't know. I don't really want anybody's <laughs> warm spit on my face. Neither are great.
0: Well, I mean, if I have to choose one of those or be blind, I'm going with spit.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, if I have, if my other alternative
0: is to be blind, <laughs> go blind. <laughs> it's not quite that hard of a decision. Just, I mean, that's what was implied with, yeah. oh, my God, the face lights, if we don't True. wash it out of your eye holes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kind of like the old, like, um, you know, when you put milk in your eyes, when you get, like, stingy stuff in your eyes
0: do you how often do you get stingy stuff in your eyes you know
1: like when people get like pepper straight in the eyes you can put like milk on your eyes all right i think that's a thing do people always just carry around <laughs> milk for that
0: specific reason <laughs> today could be the day uh, you've gotta restock <laughs> i do holsters for milk
1: i'm always prepared <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, our duo isn't out of danger yet because we next see those Lords of Death gang members we were chasing after to begin with, so our boys have to hightail it the hell out of there and make their way back to Wang's restaurant. Also, I'd like to point out that we see Jack abandon his pullover at this point in some random building. They're, like, running around, and he's just like, oh, it's just... uh, I'm too active couldn't so possibly <laughs> he takes this pullover they're literally like in some like brick tube thing like implying they're down in the sewers underneath the city however by the end of the movie said pullover is going to show back up i've always wondered how the hell he got that thing back
1: you know it's one of those things that you let things go if it's yours it, <laughs> it, it'll come back <laughs> The universe found a way to reunite him in that pullover. God damn
0: it, that pullover I truly loved him. And who are we to question that? That's beautiful. That's true True love. I had no idea. This, oh, this movie has so many levels.
1: You just needed me to open your eyes to it. I'm glad I could be here to
0: help you with that. It's a beautiful moment. <laughs> well, back at the Black Pool, which is Wang's Restaurant... Jack is on the phone with his insurance company trying to explain that his truck is now missing and let's slip to Wang's uncle what happened to them. Wang tries to say that isn't what happened, but Jack says, yeah, it did, a couple of hours ago. Tall guy, weird clothes, first you see him, then you don't. So we learn it's kind of a big deal that Lo Pan actually let himself be seen on the street. We also meet Eddie and Lee, the maitre d' at the Blackpool. Eddie informs Jack that the Lords of Death stole his truck. Jack is pissed, but Wang says, Imagine how I feel. I lost a whole girl. Well, next we see Gracie Law show up to the Blackpool. She's heard that the Lords of Death plan on selling Miao Yin to the White Tigers, who run a brothel in Chinatown. This means that Wang isn't going to be able to pay Jack the money he owns him because he's going to have to use it to get Miao Yin. And he's going to need Jack's help to do it. So next we see Wang, Gracie, and Eddie, along with Jack, with his hair slicked back and wearing glasses and the ugliest suit and tie you've ever seen, <laughs> pull up outside the White Tiger's brothel. The plan being, assuming the Lords of Death sold Miao Yin to the White Tigers to use as a sex worker, that Jack will go in as a customer and see if he can track her down. Which is exactly what we get in this amazing scene where Kurt Russell goes full on nerd and is brilliant. (laughs) I mean, he just, boy, it uh, it sure is raining cats and dogs. (laughs) (laughs) It was totally unexpected, but I loved every second of it. It was amazing. Well, meanwhile, outside another car pulls up and Gracie says that's for her she gets in the new car and we meet Margot, an insecure, budding journalist looking for that one story that'll be her big break. Gracie has turned her on to the White Tiger story and assures Margot they have their best man inside gathering information. Well, this is actress Kate Burton, whose only creepy credit is she starred in Martyrs, but only the crappy American remake and not the really fucked up French original. Ah, gotcha. Well, back with Jack, he lets it be known that he has very specific tastes and is looking for a girl with green eyes. He is informed that Chinese women do not come with green eyes, which is a weird way to put that. Yeah. Like, women can be ordered on Amazon. <laughs> that's not the standard,
1: but we could maybe upgrade if that's what you want us to do.
0: <laughs> Damn it, the Florida motto only comes with brown or blue eyes. <laughs> you can get red hair, though. That's nice. <laughs> well, needless to say, all of this was actually so the manager of the place could overhear, which she does, and immediately goes back to check on someone she's been keeping in a hidden room. It is, of course, Miao Yin. But if she's not for the brothel, then why is she there? Well, we next see Jack has been paired up with a woman, despite the fact that she doesn't have green eyes. He starts asking her a lot of questions, but before he can find out too much information, the entire building starts shaking. From outside, we can see a large green glow come over the top of the brothel And now customers and workers are all panicking, trying to get the hell out of the shaking building. The roof of the building is ripped off, and the three storms drop down inside. Jack confronts Mr. Rain and attempts to punch him in the face a couple of times, but this has no effect, and Mr. Rain effortlessly kicks him across the room. Well, Wang, Eddie, Gracie, and Margo come rushing in to help, but it's too late as Mr. Lightning oh, he's so dreamy, (laughs) grabs Miao Yin, and all three storms exit the same way they came in. Well, the gang defeated regroups at Gracie's office, and if you keep an eye on Kurt Russell in the scene, you might notice he appears to be sweating profusely. Well, it turns out Kurt was suffering through a horrible bout with the flu on this day, it was so bad, Carpenter rearranged that day's shooting schedule to get to Kurt's scene first so they can get him out of there as soon as they could so he could go and rest. Oh, uh, that sucks. Uh, it just, he had to be miserable. Well, the group is able to deduce that if the storms took Miao Yin, that must mean Lo Pan has her. To which Margot says, quote, you mean the same David Lopan that's chairman of the National Orient Bank and owns the Wing Kong Import Export Trading Company, but who's so reclusive that no one's even laid eyes on this guy in years? No. <laughs> nope, different one. <laughs> Stupid question. Of course, that's not
1: who I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Jack says, yeah, that David Lopan. And by the way, who the hell are you? Well, Margot explains that she's with the Berkeley People's Herald, uh, not the biggest or most well-known publication, but Gracie's been trying very hard to get anyone from the press to pay attention to what's been going on, and Margot is the best she's been able to do. Well, Jack says he's a reasonable guy, but he just experienced some very unreasonable things, and someone needs to explain to him what the hell is going on. Well, the rest of them don't seem to know much more, but Wang knows he's going to go get Miao Yin, and that's enough for Jack. He tells the others, if they're not back by Dawn, call the president. <laughs> <laughs> Speed dial the president. I just love that he just thinks that <laughs> if it's a problem he's involved in, It has to be so big that it's something (laughs) the president would have vested interest in. Yeah, the
1: utmost importance.
0: (laughs) Well, Jack and Wang then head over to the Wing Kong Exchange, which sounds like where you go to Chinatown to trade stocks. But it's actually where this low pan guy is supposed to be. So our duo walks right in the place pretending to be telephone repairmen. Uh, and you know they are telephone repairmen because Jack carries in with him an actual telephone. Not a cell phone. This is long before those were a common thing. No, he's carrying an actual telephone like you would find on someone's desk. is the, Is this the phone that is to replace the broken one? <laughs> in which case it seems like someone there could have just switched those out. It's literally just unplug one and plug the new one in. Don't question things. It doesn't matter, really. Uh, (laughs) We're along for the ride. So the guys come in all loud, talking at the same time, causing so much confusion. Uh, They make it right past the guards before anyone could even ask, why the hell are you carrying a telephone? (laughs) Well, the guys make their way down into a basement area and find a locked door with words written on it in Mandarin. Jack asks Wang what it says, and Wang tells him it says, hell of burning oil. Jack's like, oh my god, are you serious? And Wang's like, no, it just says keep out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Wang, you scamp. Well, back at the black pool, Egg is doing something that appears to be the equivalent of casting runes to foresee the future, he tells Gracie and Eddie that a goat butts against a hedge, and its horns become entangled. They must gather their strength, because now there is clouds and thunder and the image of difficulty at the beginning. But finally, they shall bring order out of chaos. All makes sense. All of that checks out. It, it does. Well, back at the exchange, Jack and Wang come across what appears to be a dead end but they can see very obvious marks on the floor that indicate someone, in this case, Miao Yin, has been dragged through here. Jack finally puts down that damn phone he's been carrying this whole time and they manage to find a secret passage that opens to an elevator. They enter and push the button to go down, but before they can get too far, the elevator stops and the lights go out, trapping our heroes. Back again at the black pool, Egg and Wang's uncle are explaining to Gracie how all movement in the universe is caused by tension between positive and negative Furies. So when the Furies are out of balance, as they are in Lopan, who is cursed, then the people turn into demons and live forever, repulsive and evil existing only to plague the living. So basically, Lopan is some kind of supernatural evil dead guy checks out I saw the movie I know I mean he does glow light (laughs) that seems pretty shady (laughs) well next back in that elevator the boys are trapped in things go from bad to worse when the cabin starts to fill up with water Jack and Wang are able to hold their breath and exit through the bottom but this leads them to a flooded room full of these amazing rotting corpses Most of them nearly skeletonized, Mm -hmm. chained to and floating up from the floor. And I got to say, for 80 special effects, these things look pretty damn fantastic. Uh, They looked really realistic. The way the flesh is rotting off and floating in the water, we see them for maybe a total of 10 seconds, but they are really effective for those 10 seconds. They are super well done. Uh, And and that's what we're going to see with a lot of the more gory makeup and creature effects. They're really well done, especially for this time period, but they get a really short amount of screen time. Like, I I think that's the main thing that holds this movie back from being a full-on horror movie. Yeah. Is that the really creepy, gory shit is super downplayed and is only flashed on the screen for... Mere moments at a time, uh, almost like Carpenter is just teasing you, uh, which means I, I always find myself wishing we had more of that creepy shit. Just go balls to the wall with it. Yeah, It's already really, really weird. You might as well freak some people out, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I loved the scene. Again, like you said, just for the simple um matter of the fact that we're having this little creepy nuance right here in the middle but also the effects like you said are just really really good um and because it happened so quick i remember kind of being like did that really happen like i remember being in it being like oh these look really really good yeah and then kind of questioning like kind of like why i guess we what questioning why we didn't spend more time on it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because they all did have so so much good detail on it it felt like we could have spent more time in there but yeah i loved it
0: Well, the boys surface in the creepy corpse tank, and Wang tells Jack they're in the hell of the Upside Down Sinners. Just then, Mr. Rain appears above them and takes them captive. We next see Mr. Rain has Wang tied to an old high-back wheelchair as he throws red magician's balls at Jack's stomach. I'm not sure what that's all about, (laughs) or why it appears to hurt Jack. Uh, Because they should, they just look like the foam, you know what I'm talking about, right? The foam balls? Yeah. (laughs) I I never understood what was going on here. We see him only throw one, but you see like eight or nine of them on the ground. Mm -hmm. Like he's been doing this all day or something. (laughs) Is this your new hobby? Is this a thing you're going to take on the road? What's going on here? (laughs) Well, next we see Mr. Rain bring both Wang and Jack, who are now both tied to uh, those, uh, one of those old high-back wheelchairs, uh, they, he brings them into another room filled with a bunch of large golden Buddha statues surrounding a golden gong. Uh, I, I've never really understood why they would tie them to these old wheelchairs uh but we next see this really old man come in but he's also in a wheelchair uh although his is a more modern electric one yeah. and he actually needs his uh so i assume maybe it's so this guy won't feel so self-conscious <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why there aren't these Look, he's sensitive about his wheelchair. <laughs> so we're all just going to sit, okay? We've tried to tell him. It's not a big deal
1: at all. We, we are here to help, but he just, <laughs> he's very sensitive. So we all, we will all use it. Also, don't look him in the eye. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and if he starts to glow, look away. Glow right back. <laughs> you shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> don't let him outshine you. All right.
0: Well, the old man tells him that he's Lopan. Well, Jack seems confused because the Lopan we saw in the alley shoot light beams from his face was much younger. So Jack says, I don't get it. To which Lopan then tells him to shut up and reminds him that he was not brought upon this world to get it. He tells them there are many mysteries, many unanswerable questions, even in a life as short as yours. And I think this exchange was the script writer's way of saying, look, I know a bunch of this shit you're about to experience in this movie isn't going to make a lot of sense (laughs) or really seem to belong together in the same movie. But even though the studio execs don't think you're smart enough, I'm sure by now you realize that this is not that kind of movie and we're all just here to have a damn good time. So that's what we're going to do. So, buckle up, motherfucker. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, Also, James Hong, who plays Lopan, he does have some creepy credits. He was in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Nice. He was in a movie called The Vineyard, The Jitters, Shadow Zone, Fortune Cookie, and Beast Mode. Oh, nice. Well, Lopan then starts asking Wayne all kinds of questions about Miao Yin. And those green eyes. What province is she from? Who were her mother and father? Was her father a holy man? Wang refuses to answer, but Lo Pan becomes more insistent. We learn that Lo Pan is a former king and warrior who has been cursed and trapped inside this old man's body. In order to break the curse, return to his younger, more vibrant, and corporeal self, he must appease Qing Dai, the god of the East, by marrying and consuming the blood of a Chinese woman with jade green eyes. I'm not sure how Lo Pan marrying this woman does anything for this Qing Dai demon. Uh, it really just sounds like uh, this is a win-win for Lopan. <laughs> (laughs) But again, we're just along for the ride. (laughs) It's like, oh no, I have to marry a beautiful woman? Oh, what a terrible sacrifice I'm going to have to make. I guess I'll do it. Take one for the team. (laughs) Twist my arm. (laughs) Well, Jack's not falling for any of this mystic mumbo jumbo crap and says, what? I'm supposed to buy this shit? 2,000 years and he can't find a broad to fit the bill? Come on, Dave, you must be doing something seriously wrong. So Lopan explains that there have been others, but you, Jack, of all people, should understand the difficulties between men and women, and how seldom it works out. So basically what Lopan is saying, yeah, I have found some other very rare green-eyed Chinese woman in the past, but it just didn't work out. So I couldn't break this curse that I've been trying to break for hundreds, if not thousands of years. (laughs) It just didn't work out. You know, I tested the waters. (laughs) Didn't go out well. She never picked up her shoes. It was irritating. (laughs) Couldn't cook.
1: And then I told myself, you deserve better.
0: (laughs) And I got out of there. Got on Tinder found there was more out there for me. (laughs) Been looking ever since. Well, just then, Lopan notices on the CCTV monitors next to him that Gracie, Eddie, and Margot have now shown up at the Wing Kong exchange. And that really pisses him off. I love his reaction here. He's like, who is that? (laughs) He's just... I mean, you already have people who've broken in. He just seems to really overreact to the fact that more people are trying to break in it's like no no no. we can only have two that is our limit (laughs) well we now switch to the trio as gracie is threatening the guards with bad publicity if they don't let them in but just as the guards are telling them you shall not pass mr thunder shows up and tells them that he can help them only now he's dressed up in a suit and holding a cigar he, like, he he looks like he's going to sell them a used car. <laughs> we next see Jack and Wang still tied to those wheelchairs, locked in a room with skeletons hanging on the wall. Well, Jack manages to rock his wheelchair back and forth enough so he can tip it over, which he does. But now he's still tied in the wheelchair, only it's just on its side on the floor. I'm not really sure how this helped him in any way, I mean, yes, he can, like, reach things, but it seems like he could have done that in a seated position. (laughs) Upright. It doesn't matter. Uh, Eventually, he does manage to get his blindfold off and reach the knife hidden in his moccasin boot. Meanwhile, we see Mr. Thunder bringing Gracie, Eddie, and Margo down in a freight elevator. But somehow, no one seems to notice the cabin filling up with gas, and they all pass out. You know, it happens. I mean, even when they start coughing, no one starts going, hey, something's not right here. <laughs> We're in danger. Uh, well, of course, Mr. Thunder does not pass out. How does that happen? I mean, he wasn't wearing a gas mask or anything, but he's just fine. Invincible lungs. Good for him. <laughs> We're all very impressed. Well, the elevator opens up and Mr. Thunder instructs four members of an 80s girl band uh, to pick up their passed out guests and move them. Who are these ladies? They just come running in, in their little <laughs> matching outfits yeah. and their little headbands. Uh, they they look like they're backup dancers in a uh, Pat Benatar music video. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> well, back with Jack and Wang, we get some more exposition on the Pan backstory that has something to do with an ancient army of the dead and monkey sacrifices, Uh, but the complete mythology here isn't that important. What we really take away here is what Wang says about belief, about how Chinese children are all told these stories as kids, but when they grow up into adults, they stop believing the stories are true. Uh, So basically, it's the idea that as we get older, we tend to lose our childlike wonder and no longer believe in magic, and therefore the magic dies within us. We didn't know this was a Disney movie. (laughs) But this is an action film. So, son of a bitch, let's get back to fucking shit up, right? Keep your emotions to yourself. Uh, Well, Wang and Jack conversation gets interrupted just in time to keep the story moving forward. (laughs) Uh, as we hear someone at the door to the room, Jack and Wayne get back in their wheelchairs pretending to still be tied down. Turns out it's old fancy dress Mr. Thunder who brings Eddie's unconscious body in and hangs him on a hook on the wall. Now, just before you think he went all leather face on him and Eddie has just suffered a horrendously graphic death, the hook actually only goes through the back of his jacket. We actually hear the fabric tear, and so he's just kind of hanging there by his jacket. It must be like the world's best made jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I need to know where you got that jacket. It's very (laughs) impressive. Anyway, Jack and Wang take the opportunity to jump Mr. Thunder. Jack pulls a knife on him and literally jumps on Thunder's back, giving Wang enough time to rouse Eddie get him out of his special jacket to escape the room. Mr. Thunder then starts inhaling a bunch of air, uh, which makes his body start puffing up like an overly excited bag of microwave popcorn. Uh, He eventually puffs up so large that it knocks Jack off his back, where he lands back in one of those wheelchairs, sending it flying backwards down a long hall with Jack only able to stop at inches before the chair dumps him backwards into a deep well. He then uses all his might to push both wheels forward just enough so he can jump out of the chair right before the chair goes over the side and down into the abyss below. It's a very adrenaline scene. Oh, it's very, very action-packed. Yes. I worried about my little Jackie. (laughs) But he pulled it out. That son of a bitch, he pulled it out. He really fucking nailed it. (laughs) A bit later, Lopan gets word of the boy's escape, but he doesn't want to hear any excuses. He just wants them found and their flesh boiled until it falls off. That's lovely. It's nice to know he's keeping up with his hobbies (laughs) in his advanced age. It helps keep the mind agile. Yeah, self-care. Well, we next get another amazing special effect where we see old Lopan glow from the inside out and turn into the younger Lopan we saw earlier in the day during the gang fight. But again, the effect isn't on screen for more than six seconds, leaving me so wanting more. Yeah. Well, let's talk for a minute about how really amazing some of these makeup and creature effects are. Uh, So the effects were done by Boss Film Studios, which closed its doors in 1998. Uh, But if the name doesn't ring a bell, you most certainly have seen their work. Besides this film, they've also worked on the original Ghostbusters, the original Fright Night, Die Hard, Ghost, Batman Returns, Alien 3, True Lies, Species, and Starship Troopers, just to name a few. The company was founded by legendary effects artist Richard Edlin who earned four Academy Awards for his pioneering work at Industrial Lights and Magic. One award from each of the three original Star Wars movies and one for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Another name of note working for Boss Film Studios on this film was none other than Screaming Mad George who's known for his work in Predator, The Abyss, and the over-the-top gore fest in society.
1: You named so many indie films, I'm concerned that our audience isn't going to know <laughs> any of those titles.
0: Hopefully they will. <laughs> just some obscure ones yeah. that uh, I think only true fans yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. might have seen. Yeah, fingers crossed you guys are familiar with those.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, I I just I thought it was important to point out, you know, Everyone remembers this as this cheesy 80s film, which it is, but that's exactly what it was supposed to be. But yet, there's some real money that was put into this film, and Mm -hmm. they did not mess around. These effects were really top-notch at the time, and sure, they're not like these amazing... You know, blow your mind, Jurassic Park type <laughs> you know revolutionary effects, but they're really, really well done, mm-hmm. and uh definitely worth mentioning, yeah, I agree. Well, we next see Lo Pan float out of the room through the wall into an adjoining room, and here we see where Lo Pan has been hiding Miao Yin. He goes over and tries to caress her, but his hands just go right through her. So at least in this form, we see Lopan is pretty much useless and therefore his need to become corporeal is very real. Well back with Wang, Jack, and Eddie. Uh, The three are posted on one side of a wall that Wang peeks around to make sure the coast is clear. He tells them it is but when they go around the corner there's a dude waiting for them right there like there's no way that Wayne could have missed that guy the first time he looked it's like okay it's clear they go boom he's right there yeah it's like he had to be it's like maybe he doesn't know what "coast is clear means <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh I'm sorry t- I, I
1: wasn't taught that one um <laughs> Yeah, we'd had different definitions, but
0: for the future, I promise. Ghost is clear means one dude is waiting to stop us, right? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what that means. (laughs) Well, so Wang now has to engage in some hand-to-hand combat with a few of Lopan's guards as Eddie and Jack ready their weapons to fire. And here we have another wonderful, uh, you know, Jack is really just a buffoon scene. Uh, where he's trying to fire the semi-automatic he has, but he doesn't really know how it works. And he has the safety on, and Eddie has to say, you know, has to remind him, you know, dude, the safety's on. So needless to say, by the time he gets everything figured out and (laughs) the gun just goes off in rapid succession, it takes him by surprise. Yeah, (laughs) And he makes the goofiest buck-toothed face. (laughs) <laughs> it cracks me up every time. It was so good. <laughs> well, despite his buffoonery, he does manage to shoot someone, saving Wang in the process. Jack, Wang, and Eddie all look shocked by this accomplishment, and Eddie asks Jack if he's ever plugged anyone before. Obviously, the answer is no, but Jack plays it off and is all, of course I have. Because remember, kids, it's always more manly to lie and confess to murder. <laughs> Than to let people think you're a decent human being. (laughs) I never understood that. It's like, no, Eddie Maitre d' at my best friend's restaurant. I've never killed anyone before, (laughs) which apparently you do every weekend. Oh yeah, I I, all the time (laughs) in your purple
1: Oxford and plaid chinos. On the way on the way over here, I was I was killing. I
0: kill people for breakfast, (laughs) so you taking that badass corporate casual outfit to Kill Town in your off time? <laughs> is that what's going on there, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> well, next we see our trio make their way to some makeshift jail they have in this building. At first I thought this is where they uh, held the women that will go to work in the brothel, but the Storms had to kidnap Miao Yin from the brothel implying it's not part of Lopan's empire. So I have no idea who all these other women are that are in these cages. (laughs) They're just holding women in these cages. (laughs) Again, it doesn't matter. We're just along for the ride. (laughs) Uh, But we do see that both Gracie and Margot are also being held in a cell. We also see that Margot is just lying on a bed working on her story in her notebook, but when we cut to Gracie in her cell, she's gagged and hogtied. Like, why does Margot get to do homework and Gracie is trussed up like Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> what did she do?
1: You can have reading time, but your friend, you can't trust her, okay?
0: She's sketchy. Well, of course, the plan here is to set the girls free, so Jack takes off around the backside while Wang pretends to take Eddie hostage and approaches Lopan's guards and tells them to open up or he'll blow Eddie's head off. What? Eddie's on Wang's side. Why would Lopan's guards care if Wang shot him? (laughs) (laughs) I have this hostage. I will kill this hostage that you don't know and could care less about they're like okay go for it <laughs> and well somehow the plan works it's enough to get their attention at least and a fight ensues giving jack enough time to climb on top of the jail cell thingies and get Margot's attention she asks him how he's gonna spring them and he says i have no idea so while wang and eddie are still hashing it out with the lady guards jack springs into action shooting off locks Cutting restraints and letting everyone go, Jack, Gracie, and Margot lead all the girls and meet up with Wang and Eddie, who all manage to get in that giant freight elevator and escape, just as Mr. Thunder and a bunch of other guards show up with more firepower. The group makes their way down to a room that has this area that opens up to a water source, so everyone jumps in before Lopin's men open fire. Everyone starts swimming through a hole on the side, which leads to a bunch of drain pipes. We next have a silly little moment where Grace is sitting up in the pipe, catching her breath as each of our main cast comes swimming by. She pulls Wang up and asks, where's Margot?" Who pops up next? So she asks "Margot, where's Eddie? Who pops up next? So she asks Eddie, where's Jack? Who, of course, pops up next. But when he does, he plants a big old kiss on Gracie. Gracie responds by saying, hey, to which Jack replies, sorry, I'm just thrilled to be alive. That feisty Jack. That's how I get all my ladies. I don't recall
1: that happening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, you don't remember our pipe date? Nope. Missed wow. that one. Uh, it kind of hurts my feelings. I worked really hard to plan that special pipe date. hurts mine more that it happened and I don't remember <laughs> Well, eventually everyone ends back up in that original room where Jack and Wang first found the hidden entrance to Lopan's underground house of horrors. So Jack tells them they're almost out. He lays out his plan, and Wang translates to all the others. And when they all have the plan and they're ready to go, Jack counts to three and opens the door to find about 30 Lopan guards waiting on the other side. He then closes the door, turns to everyone, and says... We may be trapped. And this moment and the scene that follows really personifies the character of Jack Burton. He's trying so hard to be the leader, but when he wants to put his plans into action, they all fall to shit. So the guards start breaking down the door and Jack tells everyone to hide and he'll stay back and fight them off. Everyone scatters except for Wang, who tells Jack that they'll fight together. The guards make it through the door, and Jack is able to shoot a few of them, but then his gun jams. So now Wang takes over in some hand-to-hand combat, while Jack attempts to retrieve the knife he keeps in his moccasin boot. He gets a hold of it, but he fumbles with it, and it goes flying out of his hand across the room. Meanwhile, Wang continues to single-handedly kick ass until Jack finally gets his knife, unjams his gun, and jumps back into the action with a, ah, battle cry! <laughs> Only to discover Wang has made quick work of them all, and the fight is over. And and that's, that's it. That is this entire movie in a nutshell. I mean, he's constantly doing all this stupid shit, but... You know, everything works out, and it's fine, and he wasn't really needed, but everyone still kind of looks to him like this leader, and he never really has done anything. Well, the two reconvene with the others and continue to make their way to the exit where Egg's bus is waiting for them, but before handling their last obstacle, which is getting past the guards at the main desk they pass a statue against the wall where we see the eyes get replaced with real creepy eyes. And by real, I mean they're animatronic and controlled by the special effects crew, but they're red and yellow eyes, so you're supposed to be like, ooh, a scary monster is back there. Also, if you listen to the commentary for this movie with John Carpenter and Kurt Russell, which is great, by the way, It's really just like listening to two buddies get together. Uh, Carpenter hated this effect because one of the eyes moved slower than the other. So he thought it made the monster look (laughs) (laughs) cross-eyed. As it looked left and right. But I always thought that was purposeful. Like, it's that kind of movie where the monster can look a little goofy. Yeah, yeah. And that's perfectly fine. A hundred percent. Yeah, in fact, almost expected because the you know it's just part of that campy shtick, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but apparently it drove him crazy. <laughs> yeah, and about the
1: commentary, we were actually able to find it on YouTube.
0: Correct? Yeah, you can find just the audio version, uh, and it's worth it. I I was able to just put it on as I was taking my notes and just listen to their commentary. So. It's a, a nice kind of thing to listen to. It's kind of like a podcast. Yeah. These two guys in the industry getting together and talking about this cool movie they
1: made. Yeah, yeah. I'll link it in our show notes if anybody cares to listen to it. Because I've heard that it, a
0: lot of people say they really enjoyed that commentary. Well, back to our heroes, Wang and Jack lead the group into the lobby, still under the ruse of being telephone repairmen, but then just abandon the act and pull guns on the guards instead, allowing the rest of the group to make it outside to the bus. That is everyone except for Gracie. Remember those creepy eyes in that statue? Well, the statue opens, revealing a hidden door, which gets Gracie's attention. We then see a long, hairy arm come out, grab Gracie by the head, and pull her inside. The rest of our group—remember, they still have all those other ladies with them that were in those cages—make it to the bus, but more guards come outside with machine guns and start riddling the bus with bullets. But Egg manages to get the bus in gear and pulls away before anyone gets hurt. It is until the bus is in the clear that they realize that Gracie didn't make it on the bus. We then cut to Gracie and can see she's being carried by something. It puts her down and she turns to look at it, fully revealing it to the audience at the same time. And it appears to be some sort of terrifying orangutan monster <laughs> <laughs> that Carpenter just refers to as the wild man. The first time I saw this movie, this thing scared the shit out of me. I'm not kidding. When they reveal it, it's, it's one of the only two like really jump scare moments. Yeah, It just kind of turns around real fast and reveals its face is kind of shocking. It has a lot of teeth. Yes, just a whole lot of teeth, uh, and it just it doesn't look right. But it it's an awesome creature. I mm-hmm. mean, the sculpt on this thing is amazing. It doesn't have a whole lot of mobility, uh, so it's very limited. It's just kind of a foam a foam sculpt, but the the detail and the work on it is is really really incredible. Yeah,
1: I love this little monster. It was unexpected because. A lot of this stuff in this movie is, but you're just again there for the ride. Uh and it was it was totally fun. While it was unexpected, it was like, Of course, of course there's this wonky eyed monster in this movie. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be? And he was so fun.
0: Yeah, and and again it he's on there for about twenty seconds and then he's gone. Yep. And you're like, What the hell was that? <laughs> Well, of course, we never get any explanation about uh, what this thing is, where it came from, or how it apparently came to work for Lopan, because it literally delivers Gracie directly to Lopan, who's all like, what does it mean after all these years to find two women with green eyes? Because, oh yeah, by the way, Gracie just so happens to also have green eyes. What? Whoa. Plot twist. Well, back at the Blackpool, our hero group is making plans to go back to get Miao Yen and Gracie. Egg has enlisted the help of the Chang Sings, remember the good gang at the beginning of the film with the cool hand signal thing. Uh, Margo is insistent that she go back because you can't keep the press out, but Jack tells her she needs to stay back with Eddie and Uncle Chu because Eddie has a crush on her. Uh, I'm not sure why that means she has to stay, uh, but it's sweet that Eddie has a crush on her. Yeah. Well, next we see Gracie thrown in the room where they've been keeping a still unconscious Miao Yin. Lopan comes in in his taller, younger form and appears to have Gracie under some sort of trance, and he tells her that this is all black magic, and he needs to marry a girl with green eyes who can tame the Burning Blade. Wait, what? What is this now? We're adding more stuff. (laughs) Now there's a burning blade. Uh, So apparently now also she doesn't have to be Chinese. It could be just any woman with green eyes. And there's flaming cutlery involved.
1: You know, as to be expected with this movie. Cool.
0: Also, I need to take a moment to mention the costuming in this movie is absolutely stunning. Uh, but I kept staring at Lopan's hat every time we see him in this outfit, because the hat has this huge needle looking thing that goes through it mm-hmm. uh, that makes it look like it's going through his head as well. You know, like when Steve Martin used to wear that arrow through his head gag. Yeah. Like, <laughs> are we supposed to think that hat is literally pinned to your head <laughs> with that needle? I think maybe traditionally that would have gone through the, the wearer's hair yeah and pinned the hat to the head that way, but the way Lopin is wearing his hair doesn't suggest that there's any hair up there to pin it to, so it just looks like it's going through his head.
1: You just went ahead and bypassed the hair and just pinned it straight to the skull. <laughs> I
0: mean, it's the best way to ensure it's not going to come off. <laughs> I mean, it was a good call. Windstorm? We don't know her. This hat's staying put. <laughs> hey, he ain't fucking around. Also he shoots more light from his face at Gracie. So that's a thing.
1: Yeah. And it's not like a turn on, like she's like not excited about it, you know? So
0: Yeah, it's kinda of blinding. A little hot. <laughs> well, next our hero group makes a stop at Egg's Place to gather supplies for their rescue mission. So if you look closely, the interior of Egg Chen's place here is fire station twenty three. The same building used as the business interior in the original Ghostbusters. Oh. You can see the fire poles uh, that Dan Aykroyd is so excited about and everything. In fact, one of those fire poles leads back down into the underground where Lopan is. I
1: don't know how I didn't realize that.
0: Well, I mean, it's not like it said Ghostbusters on the building
1: or anything. I feel like I still should have... Should have taken notice, and
0: I'm pretty disappointed in myself, so... We'll give
1: give you a pass. We'll give you a pass. (sighs) Okay. It'll be all right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, we see Egg all suited up with his magical accoutrements, and he's grinning. He's very excited for our fight ahead. Uh, He looks so excited, as it appears his life has been kind of leading up to this moment uh, and the coming encounter with Lopan. Plus, Victor Wong He's just so dang cute. He is. Uh, He has the best little adorable smile. Mm -hmm. Well, back with Lopan, he's still trying to figure out which green-eyed lady to marry and has started a ceremony to help with that, which includes a floor show from a now shirtless Mr. Thunder and his half-moon knives. It's actually a beautiful display of Carter Wong's proficiency in martial arts, I'm just not sure what it has to do with the ceremony. <laughs> I'm sure it was just Carpenter saying, wow, this guy's really talented, and I'd like to showcase some of that on film. Uh, so he just added this scene. It, it's lovely. It's, it's beautiful. We also get some close-up shots of Kim Cattrall and Susie Pye in their green contact lenses, because neither actress had actual green eyes, but apparently they were so uncomfortable, they could only put them in like 10 minutes before they were about to film. Oh no. And it'd just be like, okay, go now, do the scenes, and then they'd have to quickly take them out. Yeah, They were, they were not a, a pleasurable experience yeah. for either one of them. Well, next up on the floor show, we get some beautiful swordplay from Mr. Rain who brings the swords to Miao Yin, and Gracie, who each grasps one of the blades. The Three Storms and Lopan then infuse the blades with their chi, or power, or... uh, They do something, uh, but it it just like it powers them up, and the blades begin to glow. Uh, Gracie and Miao Yin are then hoisted into the air by the blades until they reach the ceiling, at which point they both reach out and touch a white ball. (laughs) This stuff is just so crazy. Everyone's just nodding along. They're like, like, yes, yes. Like, who told you to do that? Is it instinctive? But this makes the green eyes of the head of a tiny golden statue light up. Of course it does. Uh, So this is that burning blade that Lopan mentioned before, and both Gracie and Miao Yin have passed the test, so he's just going to marry both of them.
1: He's like, you know what? All for one and one for all. It's like, this was a lot. You both passed. We're, we're going for it. You're both in the contacts
0: and it looks <laughs> painful. So you both get a marriage. <laughs> we're not going to make you go all through this for nothing. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> well, checking back in with our hero group, we see them making their way through these underground caverns. They can sense something in the water below them when all of a sudden a giant angler type fish with huge teeth comes out of the wall, causing Egg to throw some magic balls at it and tells it to come out no more. Meanwhile, Jack is about to piss himself and is like, what? What will come out no more? What the fuck is going on around here? (laughs) And here is another reason why the character of Jack Burton is so amazing. Because kudos to Kurt Russell for being willing to play a hero that's anything but. Especially in the 80s when our heroes were, you know, Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And you had to be the manliest man that ever manned. Yeah. And Jack Burton, no matter how much he'd like to think he's those guys... He just isn't. His plans never work out. Things that should scare him do. It bothers him when he has to kill someone. I mean, he's a human being with real flaws and insecurities and not some mindless killing machine without a personality. We love Jack because of his flaws, not despite them. Also, anglerfish thing? another amazing creature and we see it for like three seconds
1: it's so fast
0: i i really think carpenter was suffering from the sting of the backlash he originally received from the -the over-the-top effects in the thing uh by the time he makes this one you know, he's done Christine and Starman, both of which have little to no gore or over-the-top effects. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they just really, they laid into him when the thing came out, just about how it was so needlessly gory and everything was just over the top. And, oh, God, they just ripped him uh, for those effects. And so I think it, it really, uh, he shied away from it. In these next three films that came out, he's just like I, I just I I don't want to get massacred again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he he actually ended up having kind of a, a different bad experience th- with this one. You know, the studio just because they had no idea how to market it and and just didn't get the humor of it and and so it, it got buried and poor Carpenter just really became disillusioned with, with big studios after making this film. Yeah. And uh, he went completely independent after this. And, oh, wow. And I, I think we all got some great films because of it. Mm-hmm. Well, back at Pan's, we see Gracie and Miao Yin have been changed into their wedding gowns. And again, I've got to point out the costuming in this movie The costume design was done by April Ferry and she just did a phenomenal job. Just to give you an idea of her caliber of work, some of her other films include the original Child's Play, Donnie Darko, Jurassic World, and Game of Thrones. She was even nominated for an Academy Award for her work on the 1994 Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster film, Maverick wow wow even Owen Wilson is impressed (laughs) well Mr. Lightning comes in and does his little lightning thing and it makes Gracie and Meowian's eyes go completely white I mean it seems like that green-eyed thing was kind of important for the wedding so I'm not sure why we would want to hide those (laughs) at the last minute I don't want to see those put those away (laughs) <laughs> it seemed like that was crucial to this whole wedding thing, but you know, again, I'm just following the journey. <laughs> uh, Jack and the hero group finally arrive back at Lopan's place, only this time they enter through the storeroom, which is housing a bunch of dead fish. Egg tells him there's one more thing about the ritual they need to know. Not only does Lopan need to marry a green eyed girl to break the curse, To become fully corporeal, he'll have to kill the girl. So the stakes have been raised, and now it's more important than ever that they get to Miao Yin and Gracie. We next see Miao Yin and Gracie being brought into the ceremonial chamber, I guess? I don't know. There's a giant skull and an escalator and a bunch of neon everywhere. It really just looks like they repurposed an abandoned 80s mall.
1: I was just taking down Wedding details i was like oh
0: this is what people like (laughs) making plans for the future yeah all right all right i'm I'm down with it i want to stay on theme (laughs) well out in the hall our heroes encounter a floating eyeball monster which is exactly what it sounds like (laughs) a floating fleshy mass about the size of a beach ball with eyeballs all over it This slimy ball of ridiculousness is linked to Lopan, so whatever it sees, Lopan sees. So now they know that Lopan knows that they're here. Lopan speaks to Egg through the eyeball monster and tells him, You've come so far, but too bad I'm marrying both these ladies. I'll kill Gracie Law to become flesh again and live out my earthly pleasures with Meow Yin. Gross. No, thank you. Why did he have to say it like that? I hated it. Live out my earthly pleasures. Get out of here. It sounds horrible. Well, Jack tries to shoot the little eyeball guy, but it just scares it off down the hall. We see Lopan enter the ceremonial 80s mall where all his minions are in attendance, including the orangutan wild man and little eyeball dude uh, who licks his own face with his creepy long tongue. Yeah. I don't like it. (laughs) It was icky. Well, back with our heroes in Lopan's office, they discover a hidden elevator that will take them to the 80s mall. But before they go, Egg wants everyone to do some shots. He tells them this is his magic six-demon bag, and it will give them a huge buzz and make them see things no one else can see and do things no one else can do. Well, you had me at Huge Buzz Egg, and Egg yells, Cheers! at them. <laughs> it's so aggressive. It's like, why is he yelling? He comes out of nowhere. Why
1: are you trying to surprise them? <laughs> surprise shots. Cheers!
0: It's like, Shit! <laughs> Everybody spills it. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, Wang decides to drink to America, I guess. Wang says, Here's to the Army and Navy and the battles they have won. Here's to America's colors, the colors that never run. And then Jack says, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. I have no idea why they feel the need to toast America. It's probably the most inappropriate thing they could do at this moment. Yeah, It literally makes no sense. (laughs) Well, the group then all get on the elevator to head down into battle, and on the way down... Eggs' medicine is already kicking in, and everybody is feeling fine. In fact, they all seem to be high as fuck. <laughs> Jack says he feels pretty invincible, and Wang has a very positive attitude about this. Uh, it's one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Well, our hero group arrives in the 80s mall and we see Lopan has already started the wedding ceremony. Jack and Wang are raring to go, but Egg tells them they must wait until Lopan has finished the ritual so that he can be made flesh. Only then can he be defeated. We then see Lopan take a very large needle, not the one from his hat, that one is still there, uh, and shoves it into Yin's wrist which we see is starting to have an effect on Lo Pan as he is now able to bleed. Also, if you watch actress Suzy Pai, who plays Miao Yin, uh, James Hong gets a little too aggressive uh, in this scene and stabs her a little too hard in the wrist. Uh, The character of Miao Yin is supposed to be in a trance, but you can see her flinch as the scene goes on because he's just kind of digging in there a, a little too hard. I, it always amazes
1: me that they can keep their posture like that in scenes. Like I would be like, ah, ah,
0: what? I'd <laughs> <laughs> yes, be like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is not for real. Do we remember that?
1: <laughs> you take your method shit
0: and go sit in the corner. Gentle. <laughs> <laughs> easy. Easy. <laughs> Well, just then, little eyeball dude sees our hero group, which alerts Lopan. Then Lopan makes this crazy scooby-doo-like guttural noise. He's like, which somehow translates to get them in guard speak. This prompts literally every other cast member to scream, signaling our final battle has begun. Jack 2 screams and shoots straight up into the air as punctuation But he's standing under a stone archway, and the bullets just knock huge chunks of rock down onto Jack's head, briefly knocking him unconscious, meaning, as usual, Wang and everyone else will do the majority of the fighting. Even Gracie has been snapped out of her ritual trance and manages to push a guard off the platform they're on. Egg is throwing all these magic balls that explode, sending hordes of Lopan's guards flying. The members of the Chang Sing that came to help are putting on a beautiful display of Kung Fu. Even Wang is feeling the effects of egg's medicine and is able to completely run a full loop around one of those stone archways before getting into an amazing flying sword fight with Mr. Rain. Meanwhile Jack is awake again and Lo Pan is still trying to shove needles into Miao Yin. Jack takes aim to shoot Lopan, but Mr. Thunder comes up from behind, grabs Jack's gun, and punches it, turning it to dust, and then turning his attention to Jack. But Egg, seeing all this happen, throws another one of his magic exploding balls, which hits Mr. Thunder, sending him flying over a second-story balcony. Lopan is getting closer and closer to finishing his ritual, and he's getting really excited about it. Like he giggles like a schoolgirl. He's like he <laughs> When he sees his own blood, he's like, oh, it's so wonderfully goofy. <laughs> Jack now bends down to get his knife out of his moccasin boot. But just then another guard comes up to him before he can get the knife out. So he just rolls backwards onto his back with his feet up in the air, allowing for the blade of the knife to stick out of the bottom of the moccasin which he then shoves up into the abdomen of the guard, which is great, it stops the guard, but now the guard is stuck on the knife, which has pinned Jack on his back to the ground. Lopan has now started full-on just sucking the blood out of Miao Yin's wrist, but Egg steps up and it's now time for their big showdown. They each use their pretty neon-colored magic to shoot beams of light at each other that create these shadow warriors that do the actual fighting. Think 80s wand dueling with Chinese warrior Patronuses. Patronusai? What is the plural of Patronus? P- Patronuses. Patronuses. Patronuses.
1: Patronuses. Patronuses.
0: <laughs> My Patrinus! <laughs> Don't show everybody your Petrinus. <laughs> Oops, my Petrinus is showing it. <laughs> it's a red panda. <laughs> well, they both try very hard to magic each other to death, but it pretty much just ends in a draw, and Lopan six Mr. Lightning on Egg, giving Pan enough time to escape with Meow Yin and Mr. Thunder. Mr. Lightning uses his power to close off Lopan's escape route so the others can't follow and then he too escapes. Meanwhile, throughout this whole chaotic scene, Wong has been fighting with Mr. Rain in a pretty epic showing of gymnastics and sword fighting choreography, plus some pretty crazy trampoline work. But Wang manages to finally get the upper sword and gets Mr. Rain in midair right through the tum-tum. (laughs) <laughs> epic tum <tum-tum> tum kill <laughs> right to the mini tummy <laughs> Wang then takes off after Lo Pan to try and get to Meow Yin Egg then uses another smoke ball thingy to explode the 80's mall set because I guess we're done with it now uh, Gracie and Jack are reunited but are quickly interrupted by the orangutan wild man uh who gracie literally kicks in the butt knocking him down and allowing them enough time to get on the elevator and escape who knew the wild man's weakness was his tuckus <laughs> just a little butt tap hey sometimes those those can those can hurt <laughs> you, you hit it right on the button you give it get too too hard of a little slap and you get a little Oop. <laughs> you know that famous saying you you want to take out a wild man smack his hiney. Everybody says that, and I didn't realize how true it was. Now you know. (laughs) Well, now in the elevator, Gracie asks Jack if he has a weapon to protect them. Jack says he just has his knife, but not to worry. He took something, and now he can see things no one else can see. Also, he wants to know why she's dressed the way she is, which she explains to him that she was getting married. I don't know if you've uh, read this script. Uh, There was a ceremony. She's like, "Uh, I don't know if you were there. (laughs) (laughs) Funny story. Uh, It was the green eye thing, and there was a flaming blade. (laughs) Also a wild man, but I kicked his butt, and we're fine. (laughs) Uh, So he hadn't been paying attention to what's been going on, but he does think she looks very pretty. And we finally get our big Hollywood movie kiss. We all knew it was coming, right? Had to happen. I knew it was coming. (laughs) I was ready for it. You were ready. Well, next we see our elevator has arrived back in Lopan's office, but when Jack and Gracie get out, we now see Jack has Gracie's red lipstick all over his mouth. Uh this actually wasn't scripted. I believe it was Kurt Russell and John Carpenter both who on the spot after filming the kissing scene and seeing the lipstick naturally come off on his his face, they realized how ridiculous it would be for, you know, this hero guy to come out with this lipstick all over his yeah. face. Uh which meant it was perfect for Jack. Mm-hmm. So they purposefully left it. Well, Jack and Gracie find Lopan, Miao Yin, and Mr. Thunder back in that room with all the life-size Golden Buddhas and Gong. Lopan is expressing his excitement over the ritual working as he is now fully made of flesh again. Jack then comes in with his bravado and Lopan six Mr. Thunder on him, but first Jack says, you know... Too many people have been dropping like flies lately, and where's that getting us? Nowhere fast. Nah, now, you know what old Jack Burton says at a time like this? To which Mr. Thunder says, who? And Jack answers, Jack Burton, me. And just then Wang does a triple sow cow, half calf, double axle, no whip flip into the room and gives Jack a big old wink. And old Jack always says, what the hell? And they both attack Mr. Thunder, but of course, Jack's blows don't land, and Wang takes on the fight himself, drawing Mr. Thunder away. Jack then grabs his knife from his boot and takes aim at Lopan, who's trying to escape with Miao Yin. Jack lets the knife fly, but it completely misses Lopan, hitting the gong behind him and dropping to the floor. Lopan then lets Miao Yin go so he can retrieve the knife, which he does. He tells Jack, Good knife, as he hurls it back at Jack's face. But remember, Jack has told us time and again it's all in the reflexes. And Jack catches the knife and immediately throws it back at Lopan, burying it right between that corporeal motherfucker's eyes. Lopan drops to the ground with an earth-shattering thud, causing all the Golden Buddhas to come crashing down one by one, banging the gong in the process. Jack, Gracie, and Miao Yin are then reunited with Wang, who is still being chased and fighting with Mr. Thunder. But when Mr. Thunder sees that Jack has killed Lopan, he then goes into self-destruct mode. Uh, I guess because he failed to protect his boss? I, I don't know. Anyway, remember back when Jack jumped on his back earlier and Mr. Thunder started to blow himself up real big? Well, he does that again, only this time he blows himself up much bigger. Like, to the point he's going to explode. So our heroes have got to skedaddle, um, <laughs> because this is going to be messy. Uh, and just when our group makes it out into the hall, Mister Thunder explodes into some lovely chunky bits, causing the room to collapse around him. Again, it's another great practical effect. Uh, when that guy started blowing up and like mm-hmm. his eyes start bugging out and like there's steam coming from his head, it's it's great. It's really good. Well, our four heroes aren't out of the woods yet because here comes Mr. Lightning, and he's shooting his crazy lightning everywhere. But Miao yen notices an opening in the ceiling, so they all climb up through there. Meanwhile, Mr. Lightning is bringing bits of the roof down and setting the place on fire. But now our heroes are trapped in the room above them with Mr. Lightning still coming for them. But Egg now appears in yet another hole in the ceiling, only the ceiling in this room is way higher. It's like it's like one of those huge cathedral ceilings. It's like it's two more stories high. Uh, and Jack asks, "How'd you get up there?" To which Egg just answers, "It wasn't easy." <laughs> that's that's the only explanation we get, and and I love it. That that sums up the plot of this movie. It's like, how does any of this happen? It wasn't easy. <laughs> Don't ask questions. That's the only explanation you get. Well, Egg shoots this rope and pulley system thing down into the room, and Egg uses it to pull each of them up out of the room. But before Wang can make his ascent, Mr. Lightning starts making his way up the hole from the original room even further below them. Egg tells Wang to get out of the way and drops a concrete Buddha statue down onto Mr. Lightning's head, dropping him back down into the room below killing him. But as his lightning fades away, if you look closely, it makes an arc toward the top of the screen and forms the Chinese character for the word Carpenter. This was added in post as a nod to director John Carpenter. Oh, nice. I thought that was a pretty cool little little thing. Yeah. Either that or it's a threat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're coming for you next, Carpenter. But you, <laughs> think what happened to this guy was bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, next we see our group attempting to hightail it out of the building as more guards are now in pursuit. They make their way to a garage in the building and find Jack's truck. The group makes a run for the pork chop Express as Jack holds the door to the garage close. Jack then makes a run for it himself as the guards open fire. Again, if you pay close attention to this shot as Kurt Russell is running along the wall, you'll notice a very big explosion go off next to his head. This was not supposed to happen. This was a squib that was set off by the effects crew too early, really putting Kurt Russell at risk. It wasn't supposed to go off until after he had already passed. But you can clearly see it goes off just as he is approaching that section of the wall. And Mm -hmm. so it goes off right in his face. Luckily, he was fine. But apparently, Carpenter was pissed about it. Kirk said in the commentary that John didn't get upset on set very often. And this was one of those times you can tell that he was pissed as hell. Uh, because he was worried for the safety as w- of one of his actors. Yeah, of course. Uh, that could have seriously done some damage. Yeah. If it had gone wrong. That's scary. Well, anyway, back to it. Egg throws another one of his magic exploding balls, blowing up the guards and allowing our heroes enough time to escape, while Wang and Miao Yin finally back together again share a kiss. Back at the Blackpool, the entire gang, Jack, Wang, Egg, Gracie, Eddie, Margo, Meow Yin, and Uncle Chu are all celebrating with good food and drink. Egg tells Jack that now that Lopan has been defeated, years ago he promised himself a long vacation if that day ever came, and now it's time to collect as Egg walks off into the San Francisco fog. Back inside the restaurant, Eddie asks Margo what she's going to title her article, to which she says, I don't know. Why don't you come over tonight and help me find a title? Spicy. Yeah, Margo and Eddie have made a little love connection. We next see Wang finally pay off his bet, only he's paid him off nothing or triple instead of nothing or double, and yes, (laughs) they both still say it backwards. Wang telling Jack he earned the extra. Jack then turns to Gracie and says, Well, this is your last chance. I'm a rich man now. I can sell my truck, settle down from the open road. But she tells him she couldn't have that on her conscience. The only way it could work is if he got a bigger truck, one with a little apartment in back. But Jack tells her it would never work. Sooner or later, he just rubs everyone the wrong way. But he'll think about it. And he goes to leave. Margot says, wow, you aren't even going to kiss her? To which Jack says, nope. And turns to leave. Gracie says, see you around, Burton. And Jack says, you never can tell. What? What does that mean?
1: (laughs) Maybe try opening your eyes next time. Because I'm everywhere.
0: (laughs) Maybe if you don't have to wear glasses, you'll see me. Maybe if it's... Two o'clock, and you're not too busy.
1: Maybe if you're not wearing those green green <laughs> contacts, you might. We'll see.
0: I heard those were bad. Sorry. So, I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry again. I'm sorry again. You had to go through that real
0: quick. Hear so about my squib incident? It sucks. <laughs> trying
1: to be relatable. <laughs> <laughs> We've both had some pretty sweet days around here, it seems like.
0: (laughs) We've really been through it, you and me.
1: You know what they say about hardships, bringing people together.
0: All right, well, I'm going to (laughs) go. Yep, going to put it on a t-shirt. Bye-bye now. (laughs) Well... Wang meets him at the door and tells him goodbye. Jack says, we really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wang? To which Wang says, no horseshit, Jack. And Jack responds with, no horseshit. As he and Wang share one more really cool Sing hand signal thingy. My job, whatever. You know.
1: Friendship, <laughs> Still Thanks. cool.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> in our final shot, we leave Jack right where we found him, behind the wheel of the Chop Express, spouting off CB wisdom on a rain-soaked highway. You just listen to the Chop Express and take his advice on a stormy night, when the lightning's crashing and the thunder's roaring and the rain's coming down in sheets thick as lead. Remember what old Jack Burton does when the earth quakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake? Yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big old storm right square in the eye and he says, Give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. Next, the camera pans to the back of the truck as the rain continues to pour down and we see Jack has come away with a hitchhiker. As the arm of the orangutan wild man comes up, pulling himself up from underneath the truck, as he roars into the night, the screen fades to black and the credits roll.
1: And there is big trouble. That was some big trouble in Little China in Jack. It's was so fun.
0: It, it It's absolutely fun. Uh, and yes, the first time I saw that movie when I was a teenager, that last shot scared the hell out of me again when he <laughs> pops up from the truck. Uh, I do have just a couple of little bits of trivia here at the end. Uh, in Jack's final speech on the CB radio, I just read to you, he says... When the lightning's crashing, and the thunder's roaring, and the rain's coming down, if you didn't pick up on it, this is, of course, in direct reference to the three storms, Lopan's bodyguards that Jack just encountered, Mr. Lightning, Mr. Thunder, and Mr. Rain. I didn't realize that. There you go. Uh, we also get one final treat in the form of the song being played over the ending (laughs) credits, um... (laughs) This is the Big Trouble in Little China theme song. It was written and performed by the Coupe de Ville's, which is a band formed specifically for this one song by none other than director John Carpenter, Nick Castle, and Tommy Lee Wallace. Who are Tommy Lee Wallace and Nick Castle, you may ask? Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace was the second unit director for this film, and Nick Castle is a writer-director that just so happened to write Escape from New York with John. Maybe you've heard of it. He also just so happened to play the original Mike Myers, otherwise known as The Shape, in John Carpenter's Halloween. Oh. A role he also reprised in uh, the 2018 Halloween and the upcoming Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, which is currently in pre-production. Well, there you go. There you go. How fun. And the song was uh it's terrible. It's it's one of a kind. It's so bad. But it, you know, in in the same way that this movie is absolutely terrible. It's terrible in the most charming and wonderful way possible. Yeah. And if you don't remember the song or haven't seen it, there's an actual music video available that you can currently watch on YouTube. Or you, at least you can here in the States. Just type in Big Trouble and Little China music video, and it should come up for you.
1: I will, uh, if I remember to, link it down in the show notes for you guys, because it's,
0: it's special. It is so fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, anytime someone says Big Trouble, I always have to follow it up with, In Little China. Yeah, yeah. It's I, It's so good. I didn't quite understand it until...
1: Watching this movie, and then I was like, "Oh, I get it." And now my joy is your joy. She's only singing
0: one of the greatest hits (laughs) to ever bless my ears. All right, well, we got to do some prompts for this one. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. So, what did you have for your popcorn spiller? Uh, so for
1: me, I had the the cave guy, the monster dude, the Mister orangutan, wild man. Yeah, yeah. Just because it was so unexpected. I mean. A lot of this movie is, but it really kind of, I mean, for the most part, stays the course of being this kind of, like, action movie with, like, paranormal sequences, you know, and this kind of fantastical way of um, the way they're fighting and stuff like that. So when this kind of, like, orangutan monster pops out, it's unexpected in an unexpected way, as in, like, oh, I didn't realize we were doing a monster thing. <laughs> Uh, but here we are, and it's just, it's really unexpected, but yeah. also fun. It is what it is, and I loved it, and so, yeah, that was mine.
0: Yeah, and that's what I have. I, I just put both times the wild man was revealed. Yeah. Yeah, because both of them, it catches you off guard, and it's just, it's just, it's a fun moment. It's mm-hmm. one of those fun scares. It's like, oh, John, you son of a bitch, you got me. It's <laughs> kind of one of those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is a difficult question to ask for you or not, but who's your scene stealer?
0: Believe it or not, you know, I, I, you'd mm-hmm. think I'd go automatically with Jack Burton, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, To me, he is. He's just this amazing, fun, goofy character. But really, <laughs> my ultimate favorite character in this, it's always Egg Shin. Yeah. I adore Victor Wong, and every time he's on screen, I just... Uh, he just makes me so happy yeah that's that's who I had as well oh really
1: yeah just because I think you know going into this movie I mean obviously looking at the movie um poster and everything and and really for myself I just didn't know a whole lot about this movie going into it at all um and so you don't really know what to expect besides Jack Burton. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, kind of having this other side character that was equally just as great, I, I loved it. I, I loved the, uh, I guess, the surprise of this kind of
0: dual main character. Well, all right, then that's going to bring us to Gorgasm. Not a lot of gore going on here. what do you have? So uh, initially I
1: had, and I hope I'm okay to name two things, but... I initially had like the corpse scene where we're um, swimming through those corpses just because it was so uh, surprising in, mm-hmm. in the aspect of like all the detail and stuff. But by the end of the movie and after seeing everything, I really loved the exploding scene uh, with uh, I can't remember his name where he explodes at the end after oh, he blows yeah, himself yeah, up. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: Mr. Thunder.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, just because I, I loved the. Effects used on that, yeah, uh, I thought it was really good, so that was that's who I ended up going with for Gorgasm. while, I did love the corpses and the attention of detail and everything that went into that scene. they are so quick, and we mm-hmm. do get a little bit more time spent with this scene. Um, not very much more, <laughs> but enough to re- where I think we can appreciate the effects a little bit more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. It, I, and I did have uh, the, the corpses as my f- favorite one. Yeah, I just thought they for exactly what you said, it's just so unexpected in this cheesy, silly action film to have this hyper realistic, you know, gore on these these corpses in this water. And mm-hmm. it's really well done. Uh, but yeah, the scene when, when Mr. Thunder basically blows himself up, you know, it it's kind of goofy and it, it's played, it's played for the humor of it because yeah. they know, I mean, this is just so ridiculously over the top, you know, that you kind of have to, and it, and it works. Mm-hmm. It, it, it could so easily just be plain cheesy, but the fact that they knew that this was going to be over to the top cheesy, they played into that and that just made it all the better.
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. So then that leaves um, Memorable Mortality. Who did you have for that one? Uh, I had Lopan's death. Same, same for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh,
0: I, and it's actually Jack being able to cause Lopan's death that did it for me. You know, our bumbling idiot... Really does pull it off when it matters most. Yeah. Uh, This certainly doesn't make him the hero of the film. That was always going to be Wang, but at least we finally see him do something right so you don't come away going, you know, what was the point of him? Exactly. You know, yeah, he's still a buffoon, but even a broken clock is right twice a day. Mm -hmm. If he just keeps trying, eventually something's going to stick. And in this case, it happened to be a pivotal moment. Yeah, And quite frankly, in today's day and age, that's about the most we could truly hope for in a hero. Mm -hmm. Just keep trying and hope it all works out (laughs) in the end, you know? (laughs) We're all just so broken and disillusioned with the world at this point. I think that if Superman himself came to Earth, we'd all be like... Yeah, good luck, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Let us know how that works out for you. (laughs) He comes back. He's like, what the fuck? I did not realize. We're like, yeah, it's bad, dude. (laughs) Fucking sucks. He's like, if you stay here on this planet, where are we going to go? We We don't don't have have a choice. (laughs) We don't have baby egg pods. Our daddies can shoot us off into space when the shit gets real. Clark, believe
1: me, my ass would (laughs) have been there a long time ago. If that was a
0: possibility. (laughs) can't run off to my crystal cave in the snow <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that's going to bring us to the final question i, I, I it, it's almost offensive to ask <laughs> <laughs> because of course we're putting it in the vault yeah. we'll watch it every easter easter okay yeah why not? I don't know hey it like a time to go with <laughs> well, i like it <laughs> Yeah,
1: I I had it as vault as well. I didn't feel like I was going to lean into the dead zone with this one at all, really, just because I didn't really have any expectations for it going in. Mm. Uh, so I didn't, you know, have any ideas that this would suck or anything. Uh, but it definitely, I think, ended up being far more fun than I thought it was going to be, just because this isn't normally my jam when it comes to genre, uh, this type of genre. right? Something that I would normally watch on my own volition. But I had a fun time with it, and I feel like... Again, I don't know how much more you could ask for from a movie like this.
0: Yeah, I mean it it delivers exactly what it claims to be, which is a cheesy over-the-top action film. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're going to get, and it is gloriously entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> and sure, it's it's very borderline horror. Uh, But it's just a damn good time and uh, it was a nice little brainwash after uh, last month's fantastic but super intense films. Yeah,
1: it is very true. I think uh, you deserved a birthday brainwash.
0: Everybody does. (laughs) Everybody deserves a birthday brainwash.
1: You just get to erase whatever happened the year before. Oh
0: my god, if only. Yeah, no kidding. At this point, I just I would know nothing all the way back from birth. Every year, I'd be like, "Nope, that one didn't do it either." Keep going. (laughs) Let's try again. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) Well, that's gonna do it for us. Episode twenty-seven is in the can. In the can. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Dead Zone Drive-In on your favorite listening platform, and if you're looking for a way to support us, we would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and or review, and if you screenshot that review and send it to us, we're going to send you your very own Dead Zone Drive-In sticker for free. Let's know money's honey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at deadzonedrivein at gmail.com.
1: And if you're wanting to reach us by snail mail, our address is P.O. Box 12665, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73157. Next, be sure to cruise down to our show notes where you'll find a link to all of our socials and our Facebook group, the Dead Zone Drive-In Discussion Room. And lastly, be sure to seek us out next week as we'll be capping off our bloody birthday bash with my birthday pick, Dead Silence. If you want to check out that trailer, don't worry, we've got you. That link is also down in the show notes.
0: And of course, a big thank you to our house band Slime and the Maggot Boob for the personal concert we got for our birthdays this month. We didn't know one band could sing the birthday song that many times in that many ranges, but you guys pulled it off, and we appreciate it. Thank you so much. And remember, if you're looking for the Dead Zone and want to join us for a weekend screening, if you listen to this episode in its entirety, you'll have been provided with all the information you need. Don't forget your tickets. Good night, folks, and please buckle up. We'll be waiting for you. Jack, Gracie, and Miao Yin are then reunited. Are then reunited. (laughs) What does it sound like? Are then reunited. Are then reunited. Everybody live happily ever after. (laughs) The end. This has been a very exciting story.
1: And that is Big Trouble, Little China. (laughs) We hope
0: you enjoy Big Trouble, Little China.
1: Next week. More lucky birthday bash. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please
0: drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.